thank you for your faithfulness tonight to come to worship, to serve, to pray. Um, there's a common group that comes on Wednesday, and it's, it is uh, encouragement to see, to see that group and to see that group just be faithful. Um, tonight, as we think about prayer, I'm reflecting on um, the message from Exodus 17, uh, where Joshua was out to battle. Moses was lifting up the, um, the staff, and his helpers were Aaron and Hur. And uh, the, the parallel there is prayer support. Prayer support, how we pray. Um, and it may feel like we're not actually battling or in the battle, like Moses may have felt like he wasn't doing the same as Joshua. And Aaron and, and her might have felt that same way. It's like, wow, it's three of us for one of Joshua. Um, but Joshua was just the leader of the troops. But what was important was the prayer or the support that went um, for them. And what's important for us is that we pray, that we um, look to God in faith, we encourage one another in faith. Um, I was just thinking this week with the um, elections going on and um, you know, um, I didn't get the results I wanted to get uh, from, the, from the election going on. Um, but I'm encouraged not by election results or what man steps forward or a human being steps into whatever position they step into and whatever changes they think they can make, but by what God does. And that's a steady, regardless of who is in position, God is still in control. He's shown that throughout, his, throughout history, and he's shown that in his word. It's God we trust, and uh, no one else can take his place. And so we, we remind um, ourselves of that um, in prayer tonight. We pray. We pray for each other. A number of things that happened this week that just um, helps me reflect on prayer. One, one thing was I was at a funeral yesterday for one of the students at uh, CTA who had passed away. And uh, um, he actually got shot on his 16th birthday. He died several days later. Um, but just to think of, of, a, of a young person um, um, violently killed um, right outside of his home. Um, and it, it causes us to, to pray and to realize we minister to a lot of people, a lot of hurting people. Um, the other thing that I encountered was today I get a phone call um, from a sister of, of uh, a man who came here years ago. Uh, I don't know how many years ago, but he, he had been here through the rescue mission, and he passed away, and, and now his funeral is coming up. Um, and just thinking about how we interact with different individuals. We don't know how long they will be here. And then today, I um, had a chance to talk to a fifth grader who um, um, just did not want to believe that God was real or that the Bible was true and just interacting with her. In fact, uh, I was kind of called because they thought um, some of her behavior was so bizarre they thought she might have been under some influence of some, some spirit. 
Um, so uh, just to see those things reminds us of a need to, uh, to pray, to continue to pray, and to ask God to, uh, to work where we can and to use us where we can and to be available to him. And so, again, I'm reminded of the scripture. Now, let me just read a portion of it. It's Exodus 17. It says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. And when I see the word Rephidim, I'm reminded of the first verse in that chapter. And let me just read that. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim. And then it goes on to there. But what caught my attention was they moved this direction, how? Under the commandment of the Lord. It's the Lord that bought them, brought them to Rephidim, Rephidim. And it's the Lord who brought them to the challenge that they were to face. And sometimes we think that uh, this can't be God's leading for me to struggle or for me to have this kind of challenge in my life. And in fact, it can be, and it is. Um, Jesus in his prayer taught us to pray, Lord, lead us not into temptation. But he didn't say, lead us not into trial or testing or challenging. And we often encounter challenging and testing as a result of God's will. Uh, he's leading us there in that test. And in that test, let's pass it by relying on God. And so back to our passage. Um, here they are at Rephidim, and it says, um, Amalek came and fought against them. And so Joshua, excuse me, uh, Moses said to Joshua, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. And so, um, well, let me just finish that. But Moses' hand, Moses' hands grew weary. So they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the on the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. This is November of 2022, and. Um, um, my mind goes back to last year at this time. Um, today is the ninth, right? So last year this time, we, we still had with us uh, Dwayne. We still had with us my dad. Uh, and I think of those two. Now, they aren't the only ones, but they were tremendous prayer warriors. I think of um, Sister Jackie and I think of my mom and uh, Donna each, each week on Sunday morning. They come here early on Sunday to pray. They still spend that time in prayer. That's something we established, oh, it may have been 10 years ago now. It's been a long time. And we used to have a large, larger group doing that. But these three have remained faithful to doing it all of these years, just having a special time of prayer on Sunday morning, uh, praying for, for God's people and for God's service here. And uh, I want to say thank you for, for you who've carried that out so faithfully and for those of you who pray in your own ways um, to pray for this work and to pray for this ministry and uh, I want to encourage you to keep on praying and continue to pray um, there's times when we get tired like Moses did 
and we need someone to to give that support and you may, you may be that one in prayer you were probably tired before you got here tonight but you came anyway you came anyway um, because you realize you have a task you have something that God wants you to do and sometimes that is holding up another brother or sister's hand <clears throat> um, so that they can be in support of those others of those who are struggling <clears throat> in the battle. So um, let's continue um, to be faithful, to be faithful in prayer, to be faithful um, thinking about the different challenges that we face or that we encounter that other people face that there's nothing like the avenue of prayer um, that we can show um, that support for each other. And one more thing before I close. Um, I think about Jesus' moment in prayer. Remember at the time we called it the Gethsemane when he was there? He asked his disciples, would you just watch with me and pray? And they couldn't. I wonder how discouraging that must have been. He said, couldn't you have just watched one hour? Couldn't you just stay with me one hour? He, I know in his mind, he knows what he's about to face. And he has told his disciples, they probably didn't know it was, it was coming that night. But he still said, I've asked you to pray. Couldn't you just pray with me one hour? They couldn't. They failed him on that night. But the good thing is, is he never fails us. We can pray to him. We can reach uh, God the Father in our prayers. And, uh, uh, you know, you don't... You don't get a busy, you don't get a, a voicemail, you don't get some message, uh, you know, saying stay on the line, he'll get to you in a few moments. Um, you get God. You get to talk directly to him. Each one of us has that privilege. And uh, let's take advantage of that privilege tonight as we spend time in prayer. Good evening, saints. We've been going through the Gospel of John. And it's written so that we might believe. Some people call it the spiritual gospel. Even though it's listed last, some people think it should be read first. teaches us so much about how we ought to believe. And we get to chapter 17, Jesus has ended his teaching of the disciples, his final teachings, and so now we see him pray. And for some people they call um, the Lord's Prayer what you hear in the Beatitudes. And other people like to call this the Lord's Prayer because this is actually Jesus praying and it's you know pretty much only it's only included in this gospel John 17 he prays I remember once I had memorized this prayer and it's just a blessing to see this prayer there's so much in this prayer so let's just read this and then try to break it down as to what we see and what Jesus' general message is when Jesus has spoken these words he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said Father the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. 
since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your word, your name, to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you have gave me, and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost, except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you to do I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me through their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I have made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. All right. We have heard the prayer of Jesus. What are the main points that he's bringing up. Hmm? Where do you see that? You said what? Where do you see that in these verses? Let's, let's stick to this text. Let's stick to this text. What are we seeing in just chapter 17? That While that may be true, that's not what we see in this chapter. Okay. Jesus and God are sharing ownership of us. That is a lot. That is a big part. What else do you see in this chapter? Go ahead, Brother John.
expound on that. see that in chapter 17. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. That's right. Right. He's praying for us. Specifically. apostles. What are the words of the apostles? What do we call that? We call that the New Testament. Okay, definitely. You see that as emphasized as being sanctified and true. I think that's, 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 he says that. Now what now let's let's boil it down here. What are the biggest points of chapter 17? What are the most important things? Now he talked about sanctifying truth, but I think that leads to something bigger. What is truth? Jesus is truth, but what is truth for us? Let's say it this way. For us, what is the ultimate standard of truth? His word, right? Because we don't, we know Jesus, but we know Jesus how? We know Jesus through this word. Let's put it this way. If you created a fictional Jesus that doesn't have anything to do with this word, it's not true. Right? If someone was to say, I met Jesus and he told me I can worship Allah too, we would say no. Why would we say no? Because that disagrees with the words that we have in this book that are the ultimate truth. So that Jesus will be a false Jesus, or what we would call the Antichrist, because it goes against this word. This word is true. So let's just break it down more here. First of all, we have a prayer from God the Son to God the Father. Right? We get secret communication between the Son and Father that you don't see anywhere else hardly other than in the word of God you can't see that this is a secret privilege to see this communication go on between them Jesus prayed it out loud though why did he pray it out loud so that we might hear it he prayed it out loud knowing it will be recorded in one of the gospels so that it will be preserved throughout all time 
there's a few things that Jesus emphasizes a lot. One is that his word is the absolute truth. There's another thing, and that is his people are utterly separate from the world. He prays only for his people. His people are hated by the world because they're not of the world, just as he is not of the world. There's this big separation between his people and the world. Chantel pointed out the ownership of his people. Jesus and the Father both claim ownership of these people. And then Jesus talks about his glory. He says, glorify me. But then he later he says, I want them to see my glory. So what are we seeing in this chapter? I think what we're seeing is a picture of the work of the gospel. Let me just break it down. We start out as part of the world. And when we hear the word of truth, his word is truth, we become separate from the world just as he is separate from the world. We become owned by God. And when we become owned by God, we get to see the words of God and we get to see the heart of God in ways we could have never saw before. And further down the line, we are promised to see his glory. And there's two special things about seeing his glory. Number one is when you love someone, you love to see them doing well. And so we love to see the image of Jesus Christ on the throne. It's hard for me to think about Jesus on that cross. You might say it's a holy picture, and it is a holy picture, but it is a hard picture to see Jesus suffering for our sake. That should hurt our soul. But when we see Jesus high and lifted up, when we see him returning on that white horse, when we see him sitting on the right hand of the Father, and it's promised that we're going to see that, it makes us glory in that because we identify with Jesus. But here's the better part for us, selfishly, right? The better part for us selfishly is for us to see his glory, we have to be in what my grandma called glory. We got to be in heaven to see that, right? We are promised an entrance into heaven because we are unified with the Father. And so how should we enter into this gospel? By believing, yes. By being one. That's why it's a sad thing when you see a lot of separate churches, a lot of separate ideologies, all these churches going different directions. Some of that is the intention of God, that we might reach different peoples. But some of that is the obstinance of men. Men who have been corrected that they were wrong and refusing to be humble, they started their own church. Some people don't left churches because they just worship a little bit different. Some people don't work, left churches because the style is different. Some people left churches because they got corrected. Some people left churches because they couldn't be deacons soon enough. They couldn't teach Sunday school. They got rebuked by somebody. Somebody had an attitude. Lots of reasons why people might separate the church of God and make Christ sad. But Jesus says the purpose of the gospel is to make us one. Like he and the Father are one.
And while we may not see that happen on earth, we will see that happen one day. One day, everybody is going to be corrected and rebuked on anything that separates them from the holy ones of God. That includes me and you. But in that process, we will understand a love and a unity that surpasses knowledge. We're going to talk about that this Sunday. How we are all supposed to be a dwelling place for our God. And for us to be that is not an individual work, that's a collective work that we all do together. that you'll have with them you can never here's the thing that I've learned is when somebody is trapped in falsehood no amount of logic is going to help because they're just going to say oh you got me but I'm going to go back and try to find some way to twist it back at home and here's the thing just preach we all we can do is preach the truth because the correct answer to that is yes it's in the same passage that he says we are one we, the, tr the doctrine of the Trinity is that the Son and the Father are separate persons, but one, right? So it doesn't matter what path you look at. You can look at Genesis 1 where he said, hey, let us make man in our image. You can't twist that. Why is he saying let us? You can't twist that, right? You can look at different passages where it says, you know, the, the angel of the Lord came and stood before them and said, hey, God himself said, I'm going to stand on this rock. He just read a passage, right, just in Sunday morning. He said, I'm going to stand on that rock. That wasn't the Father standing on that rock. That wasn't the Father. That was the Son standing on that rock. Right? That was the Son. He said, I'm going to stand on that rock. And then you go ahead and strike that rock, and it's going to bring forth water. Who was standing on that rock? That was the Son. Who was the pillar of fire and the pillar, pillar of cloud? That was the Son. Who was hovering over the face of the waters? That was the Spirit. Who fell down on each one of them like flames of fire? That was the Holy Spirit. But not an impersonal force. Impersonal forces don't speak. The Holy Spirit said, Paul, I forbid you to go over there. No, Paul, do this. That's not an impersonal force. That's a person. Jesus said, I will send a helper and he, not it, not going to be convinced by the word of God. Just like Moses, remember that guy came to Abraham? He said, Abraham, please go tell my brothers. Convince them, please. Abraham was like, Psst. They got the scriptures. They ain't going to listen to that. They ain't going to care if somebody raised from the dead. Guess what we got? Somebody rose from the dead. People still don't believe.
let's say it even, let's say it, it expound on what dad has said. Here's the thing. Do we think that God didn't include those difficult things in the Bible knowing people would trip over? He did. They call it, Jesus called it a stumbling stone, right? There are things in the Bible that people will read and intentionally twist or sometimes unintentionally twist and just fall in the air. I think God puts those in to separate the truth from the false. <laughs> yeah. Tripping over the truth. And that's, that's in multiple ways. You can use that even colloquially, right? Some people just tripping over the truth. Right? Can't handle it. Can't handle it. That's just the truth. Ecclesiastes, you know, Ecclesiastes is my favorite verse, my favorite book. And it says something like, do not be overly righteous, nor be overly wicked, right? And so I was tempted because, you know, you want to fall into sexual sin. I'm like, well, I can't be overly righteous, right? But that was a test, right? That was a test to see if I was going to follow God or go into vain reality, right? So every there's lots of little trip holes and stuff, and God is testing to say, are you gonna follow me or not? 